0: Yeah, serpent tongue. Serpent tongue. Scales. Yeah, scales. Because once upon a time, a Jewish man mated with a fish. We Aryans are 1,000 times more civilized and advanced than any other race. Now get your things together, kids. It's time to burn some books.
1: everybody, welcome back to the Modern History HSC podcast. My name is Blake Hamilton and today I'm joined by returning guests Mark Batterham and Sophie Payne. We're picking up where uh, Luke and Sam left off in our last episode and we're going to be looking at the growth and the consolidation of power that the Nazis gained after their failed beer hall putsch. Now, if you didn't listen to the last episode, what we were saying is that the conditions for the Nazi party to take hold are absolutely perfect. You've got the Treaty of Versailles, which is super harsh on the Germans, and the Germans aren't even brought to the bargaining table to talk about um, like any sort of resolution. It's like if you get scolded for doing something wrong... And you've just got no way to make it up to the other person. You're just expected to be punished and like that's it. So that's the way that the average German person is feeling. They're feeling like they've been stabbed in the back, they're betrayed. Um the economy's in the toilet, loans are going bad, um, their army is disgraced. So you have this perfect set of conditions for a ragtag group of ex-soldiers opportunists idealists um and maybe just just nut jobs to come together and form the Nazi party um they tried to take power by force in the beginning with the beer hall putsch and it goes terribly wrong Hitler ends up in jail thinks about committing suicide However, he's rehabilitated in jail. He comes up with a new plan with his, um, uh, you could maybe say boyfriend, Rudolf Hess, his right-hand man, Um, and they decide that they're going to take a more political approach. But we need to start off with talking about Hitler's cult of personality because if we can identify one thing is that even though um the average german might not have cared about the politics of the nazi party or their ideas there was definitely a huge like loving and swooning and support um for hitler so we're going to start off with our first speaker, which is Sophie. Sophie, can you introduce us just with a couple of maybe examples of ideas about what is this cult of personality for Hitler all about?
2: Yep. So, hello, everyone. I'm Sophie. And with Hitler's cult of personality, there was, well, basically what was used was propaganda. And this glorified him as, I guess you'd say, German's Germany's um, sole saviour. So basically there were a creation of many different films, books, newspapers, magazines that and, like, other items that would portray him as, I guess, the ideal Nazi. And, um, yeah, so through the use of propaganda to influence the people of Germany, so this included minorities, women, youth... Um, yeah, basically, just tried glorifying Adolf Hitler in Germany during the time.
1: Thank you. Um, one of the bits of evidence also that we're trying to remember as a as a specific class at the moment, which if you're listening and you're always thinking like, yep, I can remember this idea that people loved Hitler. But it's hard to come up with a specific bit of evidence is this average German saying which we've got recorded um, is if only the Fuhrer knew like oh, if only the Fuhrer knew that this was going on he would fix it it's not you know the Nazis it's almost like today in 2021 if the average person you know saw some littering on the street or you know you didn't see someone wearing their mask at the moment during the during the pandemic and It wasn't, oh, if only the government knew, or if only the police knew, it'd be like, oh, if only Scott Morrison knew. He's a man who really can get stuff done, and God, he's good looking, and just, I just want to be just like him. (laughs) This is the same sort of sentiment that we're dealing with. Um, Sophie, can you maybe give us some examples as to why, or like some reasons as that we can tell why Hitler might have been so popular?
2: Yeah, um, so why Hitler would have been so popular is because he had a vision for the future of Germany. Yeah. And yeah, so basically for that, it was propaganda that was used, but also he would let everyone know his plans, his set plans, so that the people of Germany were aware of what was going to happen. So, yeah
1: and would you say that he's like we constantly think that it's like he's this bad bad guy but it was his message probably very positive to the average person during this time because it wasn't about the jews or or this racial sort of terribleness at the beginning like like what's his message about he's wanting to rebuild germany isn't that correct
2: Yeah, so basically for him to actually be able to influence the people of Germany, he wanted to make what he was saying sound positive and try and get the way that the German people were thinking onto his way of thinking and the Nazi party's way of thinking. So he... For that to happen, he needed to make sure that he got the people on his side and to make sure that what he was saying wasn't bad or, yeah, was positive.
1: Yeah, and in the early stages, um, I know from the show that we were watching all together uh, Hitler's inner circle of evil. His propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, really wanted to go after, like, the Jewish angle early on but even Hitler himself saw like you said managing the message saw that the time wasn't right to do this very early that there was a lot there was a a decent percentage of the German population who weren't on board with this idea of scapegoating the Jews for the problems they're just like nah like I don't I'm not buying what you're selling essentially like you haven't got me on this you need to You need to tone it down.
2: Yeah, because I know with students as well, quite a few of them didn't want to be a part of the youth programs because of freedom of expression, and they just didn't want anything to do with any of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because that's the whole idea like that they're trying to peddle, that their ideology um, is fascism. It's like this extreme form of nationality. That you are a cog in this big machine that is all working towards this one idea, and you should be happy to be a part of this cog in the machine and give everything that you are to the Fuhrer or the leader or the or the nation. Like you should be happy for that, um, and not really care about being an individual. Why would you want to be an individual? Like that's selfish. So. Yeah that sort of community, as that idea gets more popular, only just feeds into itself. Um, I'm going to pass over now to Mark. Mark, we've talked about Hitler being popular, good at managing the messaging um, for like getting the average German person on board. Um, But how else were the Nazis consolidating power, maybe like politically, like changing legislation? What are some bits of evidence other than just saying like the the top level stuff?
0: Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's Mark here. Um, Yeah. Hitler and the Nazis were um, really just wanting to be in their own lane. And so I guess the most notable thing that they're they've done to um, consolidate power would be the Night of the Long Knives where they purged a lot of their um, political opponents and this kind of allowed them to um, allow the German people to just focus on their message and they're also doing a lot of um, staging events like the Reichstag fire which was their German parliament and they using scapegoats and blaming it on I think it was a communist that they did it and this was to try and fire up the German people and try and get to the heart of them so that they could direct their anger towards um, these communists and Jews and they'd kind of resonate with their message that the Nazis were portraying and so the Reichstag fire was actually um, allowed Hitler to consolidate power and he was given emergency emergency powers such as abolishing um, the freedom of uh, press um, laws that were anti-Jewish and disbanding a lot of the other parties so that there was very little opposition to them gaining power and ultimately ruling over um, Germany
1: excellent i'm glad you started off with the Reichstag fire and you yeah, also alluded to the knight of the long knives that one of the i guess textbook ways of consolidating power and getting people to be i guess what's the word even more even more like violently or like more energized to your point of view is to show them what they're not you make it very clear who is your opposition? Who is your enemy? This is what this nationalism is all about. Um, they take other measures. So this is still in the early 1930s that Hitler's got these emergency powers, as you've said, and straight away he's going to start burning books in public bonfires, books that would be against the Nazi message. So now you start to control the narrative. You're going to ban trade unions because you don't want workers competing or workers trying to come together to voice their their concerns that's a very communist thing to do where like the government knows what's best for you and we're going to look after you so we're going to make trade unions illegal we're going to launch the night of the long knives Um, maybe mark you might start us off with saying uh, like a bit of an overview is what happens in the night of the long knives
0: yeah, so the Night of the Long Knives was, um, it was a political purge to get rid of all the opponents that were... So some would either have supported Hitler's rise to power and he sees them as a threat, and so therefore um, they need to be eliminated so that it's just him that is able to um, gain power and rule over Germany. And I guess the most notable... Um, event of the Night of the Long Nimes would be the, um, death of Ernst Röhm, who was the leader of, um, the SA, which was the paramilitary force, um, that helped the Nazis consolidate their power. And so now the threat of, um, such a strong general that held the power over his soldiers they could that Hitler was able to um, get that power so that he was unopposed in consolidating his power.
1: Yeah, and we brought up this period of time as an example when we were talking about Deng Xiaoping in one of the other episodes, um that this is also about Hitler not only playing the political game, but understanding that, He's not going to be the Fuhrer, he's not going to get dictator status unless he has the Prussian army on side. Because the Prussians and the army, they're the elite class, they're the money, they're the power, the authority and the tradition. Even though he might not agree with all their views because Hitler's trying to be new and different, he realizes that the SA doesn't have the muscle to compete with the actual army that is there. So, he really concedes to the army's demands that the army sees the SA and sees the SA as a threat. Um, Not only Hitler seeing, Ernst Röhm as a threat and decides, well, I'm going to kneecap my own paramilitary group, make them more symbolic than anything else, purge the thuggery, purge the radicals um, who still want a revolution, and actually get the army to swear loyalty to me personally and that's exactly what happens that the army doesn't even swear loyalty to the Nazis it's personal allegiance of like personal allegiance to Hitler himself Um, what's the other uh, like the other group that Hitler has and I might throw this one to Sophie Um, Sophie we're We've talked about the SA, what's the other group, I guess, the more organised, the more professional group that Hitler and the Nazis have as well?
2: Um, the SS, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yes, that's correct. And do we remember who is running the SS as well?
2: Um, no.
1: No, that's all good. Mark, do you happen to remember who's running the SS?
0: Um... Picture was Himmler,
1: wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Himmler again. That's just that other angle that Hitler is looking at, trying to get the army more involved. He sees the SS as more of like a 2.0 version of the SA. What maybe he always wanted it to be. They're cleaner cut. They they look more airing, They're not thugs. They're they're really people straight out of university. That people who would be getting like high paying jobs if the economy wasn't down the toilet they're snapping them up and saying hey you should come work for the ss so you've got these like you haven't got thugs working there you've got actually intelligent people who think that this is an absolute career like bonus for them um we should probably move on to the next bit which is the average people what are the average people thinking how are their lives changing Sophie brought up at the beginning that in the topic we talk about women, we talk about the, the youth that are being affected um, what would you like to start with Mark talking about how the youth are being affected or the women
0: uh, I'll probably start with the women
1: yep go for it
0: yeah so um, the women were um, their views um, their expectations were changed um, as the Nazis came to rule so uh, the key element that the Nazis were trying to portray for women was children, kitchen and church to they wanted them to dedicate themselves to like the Nazified values um, Nazified Christian values and as well as the production of children and this can be seen in the um, civil award where the German's Mother's Cross was awarded to mothers that produced at least four or more um, children for the Nazi state and so um, it was more of a return to traditional values for women and really the men's roles hadn't really changed as much but um, the women's roles um, was a significant change.
1: Yeah, and this came up as one of our trial questions as well, that when we were talking about how did life change for particular groups within Germany, um, that quote that you brought up, which was children, church and... Um, kitchen. Uh, kitchen. Is that a saying... And can you remember, is that a saying that that Hitler or Goebbels came up with or where did that come from? That's a good question. <laughs> That's right. It um, came, from the, came from the Kaiser. So if we're putting two and two together, that if it's coming from the Kaiser, that like you said, it's tapping into this traditional sense that I think maybe a lot of older Germans actually like were actually already on board. They weren't brainwashed into, I guess, this rolling back of women's liberties that they were like, well, this is like you're speaking our language almost. What do you think about that, that the Nazis were able to pick up on this?
0: Yeah, well, it was um, good for them to recognise because it's something that they've already known. And so the slight change when the Weimar Republic was in power, um, just going back when the Nazis were in control back to the traditional values, it was a return to normality for them and something that they could, um, I guess they could remember back before the war, when everything was good whereas they'd view like their new roles in the Weimar Republic as bad and so adopting these traditional values for women would be like the sign of comfort I guess or something that they could really get behind and support.
1: Absolutely the Nazi slogan might as well have been um make Germany great again or something along those lines it's a it's basically attack that is used again and again if you're an incumbent if you're a new power that's coming in and there's a crisis going on and you're looking to solve it you just go back to what people liked before or what was familiar before um you go back to tradition and that's what conservative politics are all about and it's we want to point out one thing like to say what's practical about learning this stuff today that's what conservative politics are and that's what appeals to it that's why you get older people voting for more conservative parties whether that's the Liberals in Australia um, or the or the Nationals in Australia as opposed to say the Labour Party for example that people find comfort in what they already know Um Maybe we can flip over to children, and I'll just check with Sophie. Sophie, you already started talking about a little bit of stuff for the children uh, and the Nazi youth. Do you mind giving us a little bit of an intro as into what, say, the youth could expect um, living in this new Nazi Germany?
2: Yep. Um, So basically the Nazis wanted to specifically target youth because – They thought that if they'd influenced them at a young enough age, that when they got older, they sort of wouldn't really remember a time before, before they had become influenced. So, yeah, basically they just would hold different youth programs and the school and stuff. They'd all have books and basically Nazi propaganda and whether or not the youth would actually want to go through with the youth programs was yeah basically a different thing because basically um because of freedom of expression and whether they wanted to or not yeah that that sort of yeah the nazis trying to influence them
1: yeah and the the nazis in controlling this message of tradition they're also targeting that they want to control the family unit as well. Um, we've seen um, a popular thing that shows up in the papers is this idea of the German family um, with the blonde hair and blue eyes, are all hugging each other. And then there's the this German eagle that's hugging them or there's like a Nazi signal symbol, uh, symbol that is there. That I think the children also don't have a bit of a choice that it's like no you're going to you're going to nazi youth camp Um, you're going to learn how to be a good german you're not going to learn about creative arts or or anything you might have been interested in before Um, but you're going to do mad stuff like um, learning how to throw grenades and how to shoot a rifle and how to tell who's a jew and who's not that sort of stuff um mark do you have anything to add about the Nazi youth and perhaps maybe how that helped consolidate power?
0: Yeah, so the main aim of the um, the Nazis targeting the youth was really to offer the boys to prepare them for military service and produce loyal um, soldiers that were had grown up to um, idolise the Nazi state and would fight for them in future wars and um, for the girls, it was mainly to prepare them for motherhood and, like I said early, earlier, for the production of children so that they can keep this um, momentum going of support for the Nazi state. And so um, that was came about through the Hitler's youth and the League of German Girls. And so it was just to brainwash and ingrain the Nazi ideology into them. And there's a fact that I had that by 1939, 90% of the German youth were enrolled in the Hitler's youth or um, the League of German Girls. So I was kind of forcing these impressionable impressionable, um, children into the thing so that they'd grow up to only know Nazi values and wouldn't really question Um, a lot of the stuff that the Nazis were putting out there and would swear allegiance to them and so it's just future proofing the um, Nazis consolidation of power well into the future um, to whatever happened to that
1: Absolutely, they're definitely playing the long game Um, there is one more thing that I want to bring up for consolidation of power that I was recently just researching for this um, which not only has an added benefit of getting people to support the Nazis but is like you just said really well future-proofing for the plans that the Nazis have which is going to be to try to expand themselves back into Europe is the creation of the Autobahn. Um, Do either of you know what the Autobahn is? <laughs> German for highway, so just
0: speeding up the um, allowing the German people to get through Germany real quick. And it would also allow them to have a um, very supportive road that they could funnel their military out through to Europe it was like the foundation for their um, expansion into Europe
1: there you go Mark you you took the words right out of my mouth mate I don't even want to say anymore that's great (laughs) so Hitler is now at this point in the story we don't go into World War II with this topic um he's now consolidated his power he has his people on board um he's reinforced the messaging again you could you could confidently say that There are large swathes of the German population who have been brainwashed, especially the children, because they haven't been really given any other choice. They're future-proofing for war. Um, They've been banned from uniting with Austria, though they're going to do it anyway, and the Allies are going to do nothing. Um, They're going to sign treaties with the Russians. Um, Just purely, this is survival for the Germans and the Russians on both sides, which again takes all the allies by surprise. It's not until Hitler finally moves into Poland that the allies have had enough and we start World War II, but that's not our topic. So you're going to have to listen to another um, episode for that. Thank you very much for sticking around and listening to this podcast. I'll get Sophie to sign off first and then we'll go to Mark.
2: Yep. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope you got something interesting out of it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks, everyone, for um, listening to our podcast. It's really uh, nice to see you come back to listen and also to learn a bit about history, like recognise a lot of the things, are conditions for people to rise to power and just allow history not to repeat itself through education.
1: Absolutely very important radio we're going to finish up here hope you tune into our next episode